Hi, my name is Ali Wine. I'm a non-resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, and I have the tremendous honor and privilege to be speaking today with a long-standing mentor and someone for whom I have unyielding uh, personal and intellectual admiration, uh, Joseph Nye. He, of course, needs no introduction, but I will introduce him nonetheless. Uh, Professor Nye is a former Assistant Secretary of Defense, uh, former Dean of the Harvard Kennedy School, and the author, uh, most recently, of the book, which I would highly commend to our audience, entitled Do Morals Matter? Presidents and Foreign Policy from FDR to Trump. Uh, Professor Nye, really a privilege to be speaking with you. And I want to dive right in uh, since we have limited time. Um, there's been a lot of speculation about the impact that the coronavirus pandemic is going to have on the strategic balance between the United States and China. And there's a widespread perception that the balance is shifting in China's favor. So China is experiencing a nascent economic recovery from the pandemic. It's pressing its regional interests uh, far more assertively on a range of fronts, while the United States is beset by a triplet of crises, a health crisis, an attendant economic crisis, and now civil unrest. So how do you respond to the widespread presumption that the strategic balance between the two countries is shifting in China's favor, or at least that the perceived balance is shifting in China's favor? Well, in the short term, China has had uh, uh, some better breaks and we have handled some things better than we have. But when you talk about an overall balance of power, uh, the basic factors of power uh, don't change as quickly as you would uh, say just because of a crisis like the uh, uh, COVID-19 crisis. For example, of the of three major forms of power in military power, the U.S. is global and spends three to four times more than China, that's not going to be changed in a, in a decade. Uh, an economic power, Chinese economy is two-thirds of the American economy measured at exchange rates. That may go up somewhat uh, as a result of the shock, the economic shock after the crisis. Uh, but again, it's not going to be a total reversal. And when you come to per capita income, there's still a long way to go. And finally, on soft power, the ability to get what you want through attraction rather than coercion or payment, uh, China ranks very low on soft power. And it's limited both by the internal nature of its uh, political system, uh, where the Communist Party curtails civil society, but also by its disputes with many of its neighbors. Uh, it's hard to develop soft power in India, for example, when you're uh, killing Indian soldiers on the border. So right. I don't see these things changing as dramatically as some people say. They say, oh, a big event, this crisis, therefore the balance of power is going to change. Uh, there'll be perceptual changes. There are already. But uh, the overall balance is something that happens over decades or more. And I think that the Americans still have high cards to play. And, and to your point, amid these speculations about China's potential path to global hegemony, based on your comments and based on the extent to which China has hemmed itself in with its behavior over the past six months uh, during the, the COVID pandemic, it seems to me that China doesn't even have a clear path necessarily to exercising regional hegemony. It seems that its neighbors are developing their indigenous defense capabilities more rapidly. They're strengthening their security cooperation with one another. And so China is hemmed in not only by geography, it's surrounded by 14 neighbors, it's hemmed in by its own coercive behavior. Well, China, the Communist Party has relied on uh, high rates of economic growth for legitimacy. Those 
high rates of economic growth were going down even before the COVID crisis. Uh, and as the legitimacy gain from high economic uh, growth goes down, the use of nationalism for legitimacy goes up. And that means that this sort of wolf warrior diplomacy, the extra toughness that China has been showing recently, uh, plays well in terms of domestic politics. It's a disaster in terms of international politics. Uh, what you do is scare all your neighbors. They still want economic relations. They're attracted to the large Chinese market. But the trust of China, uh, China's soft power, is not going to increase. And so we have a little over a minute left. So I want to do a lightning round. So the the pandemic would appear to have brought the U.S.-China relationship to its lowest level since normal, normalization. There's a lot of talk about the prospect of a new Cold War or a new type of Cold War. Uh, but you wrote in a recent article, uh, or in the current issue of uh, Prism magazine, that it's more accurate to think of the U.S.-China relationship as one of cooperative rivalry. And you exhort the United States to think about how it can balance necessary competitive imperatives with necessary cooperative imperatives. And I wonder if in our remaining time, you might elaborate a little bit on what steps the United States can take to get the balance right. Yeah, the U.S. is going to have to learn to walk and chew gum at the same time, in the sense that we can have an intense strategic competition, for example, in the South China Sea, but also realize that we cannot solve problems like climate or pandemics unless we learn to cooperate with China. And that ability to have a cooperative rivalry uh, is going to be one of the keys to success in foreign policy in the years to come. We've got to be both tough and cooperative simultaneously. Not easy for American attitudes. I, I think that's a great place to end. And if only uh, the rest of us in government and analysis could have your, your wise counsel. Thank you so much, Professor Nye. Well, thank you, Ali.